You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, this is Jake Rogers, and you're catching the Rose of Detroit podcast. You're on the road to Detroit, the podcast. Here's your host, Dan Hasty. That's right, Road to Detroit podcast. Our thanks to Jake Rogers for opening up today's show. Jake Rogers, he joined us on our second edition of the Road to Detroit podcast. And welcome back. It's Road to Detroit, episode three here in season one. Jake Rogers taking home the Detroit Tigers Minor League Player of the Month Award for the month of May. He was outstanding in May. How about these numbers with Erie? A 405 batting average, a 500 on base, hit three homers, drove in 11 runs. Then he got the call up to AAA, where he certainly held his own. A 362 on base percentage, three more home runs, 11 more RBIs in 12 games. And he's the Detroit Tigers Minor League Player of the Month. Meanwhile, on the pitching side, a former first-rounder takes home the nomination this month. Matt Manning is the Detroit Tigers Minor League Pitcher of the Month. You know, we've been talking a lot about Casey Mize lately, and he's been outstanding. But Matt Manning has been very good in the month of May. He went 2-1, and one, a 1.44 earned run average in five games, 31 and a third innings. He gave up just 22 base hits holding opponents to a batting average under 200, seven walks, 34 strikeouts. He was very good, and he ends up as the Detroit Tigers minor league pitcher of the month. And, you know, when you think about the future with Detroit, Casey Mize and Matt Manning certainly headlining a potential rotation down the road. There's a lot to like about what the Tigers' front of the rotation can look like in the years ahead. We've got a lot to get to on today's show. Coming up, we'll talk to Riley Green. You'll get a chance to hear from the Tigers' first-round pick. Can't wait to catch up with Riley and hear what this whirlwind of the last 72 hours has been like. Riley Green scheduled to join us in just a little bit. We'll also talk with Scott Pleiss, the director of amateur scouting, and go into what were the influences behind drafting Riley Green in the first round and obviously some of the picks thereafter. We'll also hear from Tigers general manager Al Avila. We'll also do our first mailbag segment. Best in class, the road ahead. It's all coming up on this edition of the Road to Detroit podcast. While we're at it, let's get on that on-ramp. The West Michigan Whitecaps lost two of three in Lake County to the Captains before dropping the first of a three-game home set against the Dayton Dragons. But outfielder Ulrich Boyarski has been named to the 2019 Midwest League All-Star team. Congratulations to Ulrich, who finds himself his very first All-Star nomination. Boyarski's been one of the standouts among Whitecaps players this season. Became the first Caps player to hit for the cycle since Michael Hernandez did it all the way back in 2006 during a Whitecaps game at Burn. Burlington back on May 5th. The very next day, Boyarski launched a game-winning two-run home run to help the Whitecaps beat the Peoria Chiefs by a score of 2 to nothing on May 6th in West Michigan. Meanwhile, on the other side of the coin for the Whitecaps, Adam Wolf, the left-handed pitcher and the Tigers' fifth rounder out of Louisville last year, he's had a rough start to his season. A little bit snake-bitten for the lefty. He holds a 6.99 ERA, certainly better than that. He'll look to bring that down in his next start. Off to Lakeland. The Flying Tigers, or the Flaggers, won two out of three at home against Fort Myers. Before going on the road, they won the first two games of a four-game set against Palm Beach. 
Brock Detheridge has been coming on strong as of late. Two for five with a pair of RBIs and a game two win over Palm Beach. He's been struggling overall this year, but now starting to pick it up a little bit at the plate over the course of the last couple of days. Meanwhile, Tarek Skubal, who can throw it as high as 96, 97 miles per hour. He was outstanding against Fort Myers back on June 1st. Five innings, three hits, eight strikeouts. And out of the bullpen, Max Green has an ERA under one in his last 18 and two-thirds innings. He's been outstanding for the Flying Tigers of Lakeland. Off to Erie. Looks at Azokar, deals 0-1. Eve swings and sends it out to deep right field. Maribel looks up. That ball's gone! Touch of all time, Cody Eves, a walk-off three-run home run here in the bottom of the 11th inning, his second home run of the game, and the Seawolves take down the Rubber Ducks here in game two of the doubleheader, an 8-5 final here at UPMC Park. Greg Gagne on the call, Cody Eves, a three-run shot. That was the last pitch he swung at in double-A. The very next day, he was in triple-A Toledo. Congratulations to Cody Eves. The Erie Seawolves took two out of three against Akron before coming home to drop two straight games against Altoona. But there certainly were some standout performances here. Casey Mize won six scoreless innings, allowing six hits, five strikeouts, and a 4-1 win over Akron. He just continues to deal. Cole Peterson, who was playing in high-A Lakeland to begin the season, is now up in double-A Erie. And he's hitting 353 since his call-up. You will be hard-pressed to find a better defender than Cole Peterson. He has been phenomenal with the glove pretty much ever since he's gotten into the system. And we talked a little bit about him last week on this Road to Detroit podcast. But he's starting to come around with the bat a little bit. And that's making him a really interesting prospect. Meanwhile, Matt Manning did struggle this past week. Game one of a double header against Akron. Went five and a third innings, gave up three runs on five hits, a couple of home runs, took a loss for the Seawolves. Over to Toledo. The Mudhens ended up taking one out of three at home against Charlotte before winning on the road the first two games of a three-game series at Columbus. Willie Castro just continues to hit. A four-game hitting streak, four runs batted in. Overall, he's hitting 368 over his last 10 games. Daz Cameron, one for four, had a home run in one of the games against Columbus, has two homers in his last 10 contests, but he's showing flashes so far after a really strong spring training. He's still on that learning curve, but he is starting to figure some things out in Toledo. Victor Reyes is on a four-game hitting streak. He's hitting 417 in his past 10. That's a look at Toledo. There's the on-ramp. Well, the 2019 MLB draft is in the books, and now we have the list of the 40 that are now calling themselves Detroit Tigers. Riley Green certainly is at the top of the list, but I think before we get into Riley Green, I think we just take a look at the totality of this draft and the fact that the Tigers went so position player heavy. And look, that's been something that I know a lot of fans have been clamoring for the last couple of years, but Sometimes you go where the strength of the draft is located. If the best prospect is a pitcher and you have a ton of pitchers, it's still a situation where guys are so far away from making the big leagues, you're hurting yourselves if you don't take the guy you think is the best possible player. doesn't matter what position he plays. This year, it was offensive heavy. It was position player heavy. And we'll hear from Al Avila coming up in just a little bit. In the first 10 rounds of draft picks for the Tigers this year, Eight were position players, and for the first time ever, the first six players taken by Detroit 
all position players. So it goes to show you that, look, this is what you want to do. You want to strike while the iron is hot. You want to go ahead and exploit the strengths of a draft, not the weaknesses. And this year, position players certainly were the strength of this draft. Riley Green, taken fifth overall, one of the top prospects in this draft, considered the best bat among high school players in the country. Brian Sikowski of Perfect Game talking about Riley Green on the Tigers PR Twitter account. You can check out his thoughts on Riley at Detroit Tigers PR. And we talked about different comparables for Riley Green, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. But Riley Green's somebody that has power and the ability to hit for a high average. His value is tied into his bat, but it's not solely tied into his bat. He can play a little bit of outfield. The Tigers are going to start him in center field. We'll talk to Scott Pleiss coming up in just a little bit. He'll tell us more about the decision to start him in center field as opposed to a corner spot. But Riley Green will get a lot of looks in center field. But it's not just the bat. He can also run a little bit. The baseball instincts are apparently really good with Riley Green. And look, it doesn't matter if you're the fastest guy in the world. If you have good baseball instincts, you're going to steal bases. You're going to get good jumps. You're going to go from first to third on bases to the outfield. And sometimes that's more than enough to get you by. Riley Green should have a pretty appealing skill set and a little more well-rounded than people probably think. In the second round, it was infielder Nick Quintana of Arizona. Tigers knew him going back to his high school days. So all of a sudden now, he's turned himself into a pretty advanced bat, was thought of pretty highly by a couple different publications, saw him as a top 50 prospect according to fan graphs, and he's not just a big bat. Of course, he can hit for power. But the thing about Quintana is his ability to play third base at a high level. That is a hard position to play well. And Quintana comes in with glowing reviews as a defender. So we'll see if that's able to stick in the professional ranks. But usually defense translates. Sometimes offense has a little harder of a time going from college to the pros. But defense usually doesn't. Speed usually doesn't. And certainly Quintana has the ability to field his position. Third round, Andre Lipsius from Tennessee of a contact over there in the SEC that saw a ton of Andre Lipsius. And the moment the Tigers drafted him, I started getting text messages in all caps. He was thrilled that the Tigers decided to pounce on Andre Lipsius, who's really evolved over the course of his time at Tennessee. He actually started out as a first baseman as a freshman, then moved to shortstop. How many guys go from first base to shortstop, by the way? He finished up at third base this past year. His twin brother, he has a twin brother, Luke, who plays first base for the Volunteers, but it's been Andre who really came into his own over the course of the year. Did have an injury that affected some of his season, but overall was fantastic. He actually broke the season home run record set by Kristen Stewart, who was a former Tennessee Volunteer and has gone through the Tigers system. So Andre Lipsy is somebody that the Tigers get in the third round, and I think there's a lot of people excited about what he can bring. In the fourth round, Ryan Creedler, shortstop from UCLA, one of the best teams in all Division I baseball, the UCLA Bruins. They've been phenomenal. They're still motoring their way through the College World Series. And he's one of the guys that I think you'll see play multiple positions. I think you'll see him play just about everywhere on the infield. Ryan Cradler is six foot four, 210 pounds, but the bat finally came on this year, started to post some power, saw some Troy Tulowitzki-like comparisons, especially as a defender. And people like to think about the offense with Troy Tulowitzki, and for good reason. He's always had a high batting average and used to hit a ton of home runs in Coors Field. 
but people forget that he's really, really good in the infield. He's a really good shortstop. So now you see Ryan Cradler. He'll be a guy that can play short or second or third. And in an age where you need guys to have the ability to play multiple positions, a guy like Ryan Cradler could be very beneficial for the Tigers. In the fifth round, another big bat, Bryant Packard, an outfielder from East Carolina. Actually, he's playing a little bit more in the corner infield. He's the American Athletic Conference Player of the Year. Tons of school records over the course of the last couple of seasons, but a 400 hitter with a 500 on-base percentage. One of the better hitters college baseball has to offer. So once again, here we look, another guy, a position player with a big bat. Tigers certainly going all in on as much offense as they could find this year. Brian Packard will get a chance to play the outfield in the Tigers system, although he certainly can play one of the corner infield spots. But in terms of the Tigers draft, I think you have to let the draft board come to you. And Scott Pleiss, the director of amateur scouting, will talk to us about this in just a little bit. But I think it's important to not reach for guys. And in baseball, it's especially important to make sure that you're getting the best value you can find. And you know, this is a system that has had people clamoring for position players over the course of the last couple of years. So, Now to see the Tigers address that need with eight of their first 10 draft picks as offensive position players. By the way, all guys who hit the ball really, really well in college. All these guys that are now in the Tigers system certainly have an offensive pedigree. And it's not just that. They have something else that they bring to their game. So it's not just that all their value is tied in to their bats. Overall, I like the Tigers draft. And I think a lot of people with influence thought that it was a good draft as well. John Heyman of MLB Network tweeted out who he had heard from a scout. He had the Tigers listed among the top five teams in terms of the best drafts through the first 10 rounds. I like this tweet from Lynn Henning. He had said, Best comment from a front office person who was not with the Tigers on Detroit's draft. Quote, they got a bunch of two to four war players. That means two to four wins above replacement. And look, if you're even getting that in the first round, that's a very good pick. But if you're getting that in later rounds, that's everything. And he said they got a bunch of two to four war players that will factor into the rebuild. And look, isn't that the whole point? You want guys factoring into the rebuild right now, and you want them as position players. You want them on offense because I think we all feel comfortable with where the Tigers are in terms of their pitching staff, or at least what we think the pitching staff is going forward. So if Casey Mize and Matt Manning are what the Tigers think they are, now all of a sudden you find one or two more guys, maybe Spencer Turnbull is another possibility for that future rotation going forward. Now you're basically one arm away from a really nice nucleus of guys as that starting rotation takes shape. And who knows, Michael Fulmer's still out there. We could see him return to full health at some point down the line. People forget about Michael Fulmer, but he's another guy that we could still see as part of this rotation going forward. And if you've got four pieces in your starting rotation, then all you have to do is find a guy. Just go find somebody anywhere to fill in that fifth spot of the rotation. All of a sudden, now the Tigers have a really formidable pitching staff, and if you have a good pitching staff, you will have a chance to win a game every single day. You can have the best hitters in baseball. That's all fine and good, but if your best hitters in baseball score you nine runs and your pitchers let up ten, you lose. If you have a good pitcher, it doesn't matter what your offense does. You will have a chance to win every single game, every single day. Super important that the Tigers have a high-end rotation, and they certainly have their pillars in Casey Mize and Matt Manning. Now it's the offense's turn. Now we're bringing some help to the position side.
The Road to Detroit podcast continues. Riley Green joins us. First round pick of the Tigers at number five overall. Congratulations, Riley. Pretty crazy week, huh? Yes, it's been pretty crazy. It's been really busy with all the with all the phone calls and all the all the people texting me, congratulating me and everything. It's it's been really fun and I'm very excited to get started. Take us back to the first time you started dealing with the Tigers because they've said that they've known you for a long time. I would say around uh, around junior year, I think James Orr, he actually lives near me and he's the he's one of the cross checkers for the Tigers and he's been to a lot of my games. I actually go to school with his daughter. She's a year younger than me. But he's been to a lot of my games and RJ the area scout has been to a lot of my games and they're really nice guys, really respectful guys and yeah, they've been to a lot of my high school games. They've been they've been seeing me probably since junior to sophomore year maybe. But yeah, they've always been there, and they, they're really great guys. The Gatorade High School Player of the Year in Florida, a finalist for the National Player. I want to hear about some of the other facets of your game because everybody knows about you is that you've got the bat, but I want to hear some other things that Riley Green prides himself on. I think um, I think the instincts in the outfield are, are a big thing with me. I feel like, I feel like since I know no hitting – pretty well and I know like I know like batters and what they can do and analyzing their swings in the outfield and then seeing if they're on time or late right when they swing and just knowing where the ball is going to go before they actually hit it I think that's a big part of my game and I take a lot of pride into that and um, running the bases too I mean I mean knowing where the where the outfielders are and knowing where they're going to be in that certain amount of time, knowing their arms, knowing how fast they are, knowing how good they are. I think that's a big part. And I take pride in that too. Cause I always like before games, I always look at their, um, their pregame and see what they do, see if they're fast. And yeah, I pretty, I pretty much do my research, but I mean, I mean, yeah, the arm too. I've been working on my arm a lot. I've been working on my speed too. Cause, cause I want to stay in center field and, that's a big part of me, and I want to be in center field for, for a long time, so I've been working on my speed, too. You know, you just kind of mentioned it. Center field is where the Tigers want to start you. I mean, how much center field experience did you have in high school? Was that your primary position, or did you move around a little bit? How do you feel about center field? I feel great about center field. So, so when I was a freshman, I was a first baseman, and my coach moved me to the outfield once I was, once I was on varsity, and that was that was something new for me. I started I started in right field just because I was a young kid and there were a bunch of seniors ahead of me. So so I was playing right field for the for the varsity team as a freshman. And then sophomore year, same thing because there was a senior ahead of me. And then once I hit junior and senior year, I was I was put in center field and it's been great. I love center field. I love I love having the control out there and being able to go gap to gap. Go, being able to go to both gaps to left and right center field. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing there. We're talking with Riley green. You know, take me back to that freshman year of high school, because 
you know, you're playing first base, but you're also playing against older competition, guys that are two and three years older than you are. And now you're in the same situation again. You're going to be playing against guys a little bit older than you, guys who had played in college. When it comes to playing against older competition, you know, how did you manage that back then? And what kind of things did you learn that you'll take into this experience? Well, starting as a freshman uh, is like, like starting now. I mean, I'm starting at the bottom. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a rookie. I'm going to be a new guy. And I mean, I'm just, I'm just have to stay humble because that's what I did. I didn't get ahead of things. I didn't think I was the best guy there. And I, and I still don't think I'm the best guy. There's always improvement and there's always stuff to work on, but yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do what I can do. And I'm going to try to show that I'm, I can be one of the best players out there. And yeah. Just, Stay humble through it all and don't get too ahead of yourself. We're talking to Riley Green. I noticed you've already signed your contract. How long had you known that if the Tigers would take you that you were ready to sign? I knew for a long time. I mean, I wanted, I wanted to play professional baseball since I was a young, young kid. And, I mean, I was, I was committed to the University of Florida. And that was my dream college. And I was really looking forward to going there. And... I mean, the coach there is just great. The program is great at the University of Florida, but professional baseball was one of the things I wanted to do, and I'm really excited to start in. What was it like to finally get that call, to know that you have been drafted, and to get that call so early on draft day? It was probably one of the best days of my life. I mean, it was an, it was an amazing feeling, and just being able to know that all the hard work paid off and, that you're finally your dream has come true and yeah it was just it was just an amazing feeling but i mean it's just getting started now i gotta i gotta keep working hopefully i can make it make it to where i want to make it in a few years pretty cool to share it with your family as well and i know that you were at home watching everything what was it like to see the reaction from your folks it was awesome i mean all those people there were a part of my life since i was five six seven eight they were always there for me. They were always helping me with baseball, with being there for food, dinner, whenever. But, yeah, they were always there for me. All those people were a part of my life, and it was just amazing. I've seen you compare to different players currently in Major League Baseball. But when you watch Major League Baseball, is there anybody that you like to see and get the feeling like, you know what, I bet that's what I look like? Um, Not really. I don't really compare myself to anyone. But the one player I do love watching is Christian Yelich because he's got the left-handed swing. He's an outfielder. and He's just got an amazing swing, and I just love watching his swing and trying to pick parts out of his swing and compare it to mine. Off the field, who's been your biggest influence? Probably my dad just because um, he's always been there. He was the one who introduced me to the game. and He was, he was in the cage with me all the time and just – practicing and practicing and keeping my head straight with everything. So, yeah, he was probably the, big, the biggest influence on me. Have the Tigers told you? I know they told you that center field was the place they'd like to start playing you, but have they told you where you'll start your minor league career? As of right now, I think I'll be starting in Lakeland for, um, for rookie ball there, and that is fairly close to my house. Uh, I'm excited to get started and excited to see what happens. Yeah, how close is that to where you grew up? Um, hour and a half, maybe. So yeah, it's it's pretty close. It's a, it's a drive away. 
That's big time right there. Riley Green, congratulations. Psyched for you and psyched for the Tigers. I know there's a lot of Tigers fans that have been clamoring for a guy like you to put on that old English D. Congratulations once again. Thank you. Thank you. Time now for this week's Best in Class. Let's crown the top performance from the entire Tigers system this past week. Of all the players in the Tigers system, this one certainly made noise. Victor Reyes, the Rule 5 pick of the Tigers last year, was absolutely on a tear the last couple of days as the Toledo Mudhens played at Columbus. How about these numbers? From three games, 10 base hits for Victor Reyes. He's been unbelievable. Four home runs in his last two games, 11 runs batted in in his last two contests. Well, Victor Reyes is red hot right now, and he's finally starting to hit for a little bit of power in AAA. That's something to keep an eye on. This year alone, eight home runs in AAA. In his career before this season, he only had 12 home runs. The Tigers have said about Victor Reyes, sometimes with guys like Victor Reyes, the power is the last thing to show up. Well, here we are, and we're talking about four home runs in two games and eight on the season for Victor Reyes. Maybe now, finally, that power is starting to show up for Victor Reyes. He's this week's best in class. Let's do the mailbag. This is the mailbag. This is our chance to interact directly with you. We'll cover it all. Find me on Twitter at ThatDanHasty. We'll take questions for the mailbag every so often. Nate Wangler's our producer. I think you've got the first one. All right, Dan. Our first question is from Brandon Pizarski on Twitter. He asks, what are some early comps to the Tigers' first two draft picks? What will be the greatest development challenge for each moving forward? Thanks, Brandon. We'll go with Riley Green, and we'll obviously have to start there. The fifth overall pick for the Tigers already signed to his professional contract. Riley Green has garnered some comparisons to a couple of different guys. There's kind of a low, medium, and high-level comparison for a guy like Riley Green. And honestly, if he hits any single one of these three comps, It'll be a huge success if the Tigers can get that from Riley Green. The first one, Andre Ethier, who had a really good major league career. He even had a year where he hit 30 homers in a season. He drove in 100 runs back in 2009, was an MVP candidate that year, and he made multiple all-star teams. If you're getting that from Riley Green, that's a successful fifth overall pick. The next one up is David Justice, and we always knew how good David Justice was back in the 90s. And then the high end, well, this one's going to be tough to reach, and I don't even know if it's fair to put a comparison like this on a young man like Riley Green, but we have heard the name Cody Bellinger when it comes to Riley Green, somebody who has not only taken over the National League, but right now he's one of the hottest hitters in all of baseball. Bellinger hit 39 home runs as a rookie back in 2017, was the rookie of the year, also an all-star, dipped a little bit, but certainly the power has been there already just 59 games into his season. He produced 20 home runs and leads baseball with 54 runs batted in. That's a very generous comparison. If nothing else, it's a huge compliment to Riley Green. As for Nick Quintana, the third baseman out of Arizona, he was drafted for the Tigers at pick number 47 overall. Some people were really high on Quintana going into the draft. I saw Fangrass had him rated as the number 43 overall prospect. You're going to love this kid's hair. I hope the Tigers don't make him cut it. We'll talk to Scott Pleiss, the director of amateur scouting, and see if we can save the hair. As a hitter, there's a lot of power. The batting average won't be anything that ever blows you away, but he's pretty good defensively, and people really are high on his defensive ability. It's one thing I like about what the Tigers have done with the first 
10 rounds of draft picks in those position players that they took. It wasn't just one-trick ponies. It wasn't just a guy who could just hit and nothing else. It's a guy who can hit, but it's a guy who can also do something else. Either he's bringing positional versatility. He's able to run. He's able to field at a high level. There's something about all these guys that make them a two-way player and a threat to help your team out in more than just one way. We talked about this on the podcast last week. If you are a guy who doesn't play defense, who can't run, who can't throw, and your value is tied strictly into your offensive ability, if you go 0 for 4 in a given day, you don't bring a lot to your team as an asset. But if you can play defense and if you can run, those two things don't take days off. If you're a good defender today, you're a good defender tomorrow. If you can run today, you can run tomorrow. It's not always a guarantee that you'll hit on a day-in, day-out basis. That's why guys don't hit four or 500 in Major League Baseball. I did talk to a couple of guys I respect when it comes to comparisons for a guy like Nick Quintana. One of them I got was Matt Olson light. Now Matt Olson is a big time power hitter for the Oakland athletics and plays a little bit of third base, but obviously now is more known for his time at first base, but Gives you an idea of what I think people are thinking when it comes to Matt Olson. If you want another comparison, perhaps Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson had some really good years with the Toronto Blue Jays. And now, as a 33-year-old, the numbers have dipped a little bit. But right now, what we're seeing from Donaldson, a batting average around 250, but with power and ability to get on base, he's always been a good defender. That's a good, realistic place to think that Nick Quintana could have a career somewhat similar to, especially if he hits anything like Josh Donaldson did, on the high end of the numbers he produced a couple of years ago, that'd be a really good bar to reach for a guy like Nick Quintana. Next question. Next question comes from Nick Holiday on Twitter. He asked, who has the closest relationship in the minor leagues? Anyone bonding on their journey to the D? Maybe like the next Lou or Tram. <laughs> well, let's not put Lou or Tram on these guys quite yet. That's a long mountain to climb. But I will say there is a couple of guys who became instant friends when they got drafted into the Tigers system. And that's Cody Clemens, who was drafted by the Tigers in the third round last year from Texas, and Brock Dethridge, a 10th round pick of the Tigers back in 2018 from NC State. These guys were joined at the hip the moment they got drafted. They were down in extended spring training just for a little while longer before they ended up getting assigned to the Gulf Coast League. They got drafted and hit the ground running. Cody Clemens was assigned directly to West Michigan, and he met Brock Dethrich not too far after Brock Dethrich was hitting three home runs in his first game as a professional and then a grand slam the next day. He ended up in West Michigan pretty quickly, and he and Cody Clemens got to know each other really well. Case in point, when Cody Clemens' father and the great Roger Clemens came to West Michigan last season, he threw batting practice on the field in West Michigan to Cody Clemens. The only other player that was taking batting practice with Cody was Brock Dethridge. And the fact that those two are in Lakeland, I can guarantee that those guys are rooming together. Those guys are going out all the time. Those are probably two of the closest friends in the entire Tiger system. Cody and Brock, you can almost never see them apart. Next question. All right, next question comes from Tom Lacombe on Twitter. And he goes, with Riley Green being drafted, who in your mind ends up being a long-term option in center field in Detroit? We know Daz is knocking on the door already. Parker Meadows will likely be on his way. Who in your mind sticks in that position? You know what? I think in today's day and age, you just need to have as many athletes as you possibly can. The days of the big bulky right fielder who hits 30 home runs 
are over. I think you need to still have that type of offensive production, but I don't necessarily think that a guy needs to fit a certain profile to do it. I mean, you know, we've heard some rumblings in baseball about teams taking players who can play multiple positions. And we've seen the Tigers take guys who can play all over the infield. And now I think they're just fine if they have three really athletic outfielders. I mean, and there's a huge advantage to be able to pluck a guy from left field and allow him to play center field. That's a huge advantage if you have guys that can play center field just as easily as a corner spot. The Tigers are said to want to try Riley Green as a center fielder, and obviously Daz Cameron's in the system, and Parker Meadows is in the system. And look, it's one of those things where you cross that bridge when you come to it. If the Tigers have three great center fielders, they'll find a place to play three great center fielders. If that means they're playing all over the outfield, then so be it. Because at least then in that vast outfield at Comerica Park, you've got three really good guys patrolling the outfield. And again, there's another huge advantage to having really good athleticism in your outfield. Next question. <laughs> Next question comes from Steve Butts on Twitter. Um, who's been I'm sorry, your... who was that? You were you heard what I... Steve Butts. Very good. <laughs> Who has been your biggest surprise on the Whitecaps, either current or former? And have you ever stood next to Hugh Smith? <laughs> I have I have stood next to Hugh Smith before. Every time I try to type his name into the computer, I accidentally retype and it autocorrects to Huge Smith. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it all kind of makes sense when you look at it like that. But but Hugh Smith, yeah, he's a big dude. Six foot ten when he was drafted and a guy that the Tigers think can throw triple digits at some point. You asked about the most impressive Whitecaps player. Did I hear current or former? All right, so current... I think Ulrich Boyarski. We talked about him already. Ulrich Boyarski, the Whitecaps all-star representative for Class A West Michigan, off to a great start this year. He's leading the Whitecaps in just about every important offensive category. No surprise to see him selected to the all-star team. Glad to see he was named a starter for the Midwest League's Eastern Division, so that'll be a nice accolade for him. He's been really impressive this year. And some other guys, Nick Ames is a first baseman, from UNLV, who ended up going up to Lakeland, and he really just tore the cover off the ball with the Whitecaps. He had an on-base percentage over 420, and he found his way to Lakeland in short order. So he was impressive as well. In terms of former Whitecaps, gosh, there's so many guys that have come through West Michigan now. You know, I'd be remiss, and I do think there's still so much talent in the right arm of Joe Jimenez. Back in 2015, you know, Jimenez was the everything to the bullpen for West Michigan. He's the biggest reason the Whitecaps won the Midwest League title back in 2015. There's an old adage that says, in the playoffs, you get to find out which relievers the managers actually like. And Joe Jimenez was out there just about every single day in high leverage spots. So, you know, look, we're talking about a guy, and I know he's been off to a slower start this year, but Joe Jimenez is a major league all-star. He's a major league all-star. He ended up striking out Brandon Crawford last year in the all-star game. He got a nod, and he had a phenomenal first half of the season last year. I do think it's a matter of time before we see that Joe Jimenez once again in Detroit. So I'd say all-time, he's probably the most impressive player I've ever seen come through West Michigan. Next question. Next question comes from Brandon Kerr on Twitter. He goes, first off, he loves our podcast. He ah, says, thank you. Love the new podcast. The Tigers have seven minor league teams with three of them on short season. He goes, why so many do the short season teams have a complete roster change each year with 30 rounds of draft picks? Do other clubs have as many teams? I mean, so to give you an idea, 
West Michigan in 2018 and 2019 have very few of the same players this year as they had last year. And the goal is to move these guys quicker. And now, especially when it comes to how the Tigers front office looks to be operating, they're moving guys a little bit quicker. And Dave Littlefield has acknowledged that to us on this podcast than they have in past seasons. So, Yes, there are three short season leagues. There is the Connecticut Tigers in the New York Penn League. There's the two Gulf Coast League teams, the East and the West. The Tigers used to have a Venezuelan Summer League team. That's no longer the case as that league was shut down. So the Tigers added a second Gulf Coast League team. And look, there are so many players in every organization. And yes, every team has a ton of minor league teams just like the Tigers do. And you have to find a place to get them exposure against high-level competition. And whether you're 16, 17, 18 years old or 22, 23, 24, there's a place for you, especially considering your background. If you're a college guy, you're probably going to go a little bit higher up the chain. But if you're a high school kid or maybe somebody who came over from maybe a place like the Dominican Republic or Venezuela and the Tigers have such a big presence down in those areas of the country, those are the places that you'll see guys go to either the Dominican Summer League or the Gulf Coast League. But to answer your question, yes, there is a ton of changeover on every single roster. Ideally, you don't come back with the same roster a year after you came back. Let's say, for example, you don't want to come back in 2019 with the same roster as you had in 2018, because that means guys aren't progressing up the ladder. And even if they didn't set the world on fire where they were, you have to keep them on a certain timeline because at some point you can't be three or four years older than the guys you're playing at a specific level. You have to continue to compete at higher and more advanced ages the higher you go through the minor league system. So, yeah, there's always changeover. And, you know, in the minor leagues, we're always so used to a whole new batch of players regardless of what team we're talking about. So, you know, players come in, players go out. We see them for just a very short time, but usually they get themselves up the ladder in a hurry, or sometimes they'll spend a little extra time as they try to figure their way through the professional ranks. Welcome back. The Road to Detroit podcast continues. Scott Pleiss, the director of amateur scouting for the Detroit Tigers, joins us. And Scott, Thanks again for joining us here on the road to Detroit. Appreciate you taking the time. What's the feeling like after the dust has settled, getting through all 40 rounds of that draft? Well, it's, uh, it's you know, the first, the first day we start a little late for the TV and, and all that kind of stuff so everybody can see it. So it starts a little late on the East Coast. So we go from 7 to basically midnight. And then um, all the work we did, uh, you know, uh, 10 days in before we – while we're down in Lakeland before the draft starts, the whole board blows up and we, we put it together again after that, after taking two selections. And then we go to the second day, which is three to 10. And then the third day is 11 to 40. But so it's a, it goes fast. It goes slow at first and then really fast. And, and it's just constantly uh, redoing the board, evaluating all the information we have and all that we've gathered so far, talking to analytics, just everything you could possibly imagine. It goes on in there so we can be prepared as much as possible. So, you know, the, the last thing that any scouting director would want is uh, any surprises at the last minute. So we do. We try to touch every base and make sure we, we know everything and, and going in so we know exactly where we're going. So it's a little bit of a whirlwind. It's a, it's a, it's a long three days, but very exciting also. So it's always uh, – and they're all a little different, but it's, it's very exciting at the end of the day. Did the board fall how you expected it? We thought so. Yeah, it could have it could have gone a, a couple different ways, but for the most part, we thought it did. Um, so yeah, we didn't uh, 
yeah, we were comfortable. We kind of, we knew the, you know, so there's a few guys that really separated themselves. And then uh, we thought it, anyway, pretty, pretty much. Uh, yeah, it did. Take me into the role of where analytics comes in for you guys. Cause you just mentioned analytics, but you know, when it comes to what you do, you know, with the seismic shift in baseball, does it start there now, or does it still start with scouting? Is it a tiebreaker? How do you blend all that together when you're in the draft room? Well, for us, you know, it's 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 a combination. Analytics is is extremely important, and it's extremely important to get out there and scout the guy and know the guy and the makeup and the work ethic and and all that kind of stuff and and what we see on the field, but we gather all this information at the same time. Uh, and, and then we, we bring it together. And then like, even before we went to Lakeland, we had pre-draft meetings and analytics are there and the scouting's there and we're, and we're beating it up there. We're making it all mesh. And, and it's the, the best thing is when the both worlds collide, and we got the guy and, and, and it, the numbers match up with what we're seeing and we got a chance to get them. And that's when it's really good. So they're, they're a tremendous part of it, and, and it's, not, it's not one or the other. We're in this together, and we're going to, you know, together we're going to get the right player. You know, the first thing everyone notices is that your first six picks are all position players, and I know you guys like to go best available, but it had to kind of come off like maybe the best available bat. But what did it feel like to you? Because I know that's something that you guys haven't done a lot lately. Yeah, no, I am. I am definitely always best available, and I've I've been the guy that's kind of wanted to bat for a long time, but it just hasn't worked out. And we're going to take the best guy, and it just is funny because I, I talking to some other guys, I knew this was going to come up when you looked at who we took, but it was uh, it was just ironic that the college pitching was down way more than I've seen it in a while, and the high school guys, you got a crazy short window now to try to to get those guys are either going really fast and then not, you know, shortly after that, you can't sign them. So, so that, you know, it's, it's different like that now. So anyway, so I know, you know, and it, and it worked out probably in our favor just because that's a need that we need. So we're always best, best player, but this kind of fell into, we took the best players, but this is actually kind of a need that we are trying to address too. So it really, you know, worked out great. You know, we look around the draft and we see other teams taking different guys. And, you know, last year it kind of came off like maybe, and maybe in recent years that the biggest draft commodity has been power hitters. What do you see as the biggest draft commodity right now in today's game? Well, it's hard. Well, first of all, it's hard to get a guy that can hit and has power. And uh, I feel like we got that in Riley for sure. Uh, but you got to get that right up top or you're not going to get it. And then it's hard to, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to get. Um, you can find guys that uh, throughout the draft that you feel are pretty good hitters, but it's that combination that if you think a guy's going to get to, you know, real power, he's going to hit 20, 25 or, or more. That's difficult to do. Usually those guys start getting into the strikeouts, and, and all that kind of thing, and, and you're questioning if they can get to that power. So it's hard to find. That's why everybody loves – you love the power arm that can pitch. You love the power bat that can hit. I mean, those are hard to get. That combo is tough. 
I love the draft videos, by the way, the ones the Tigers have put out. And the one thing that always strikes me is how many people are in the room. If you could take us into that setting, are all of the scouts done banging the table for different guys by draft day? Or can those discussions still get pretty heated? Well, I mean, they still go on. I mean, and and it, it evolves because, like I alluded to before, some of the guys that we think are going to be there are getting taken. And then we got to readjust. Who's the next best guy? Where we, where do we want to go? So there's all we're always beating that up. So in in our room, it's the the two national guys, the four regional cross checkers. We'll have a few area scouts in there. Um, you know, analytics. You know, are, are all in there. Uh, player development people are in there. I mean, we've we've got a full room like everybody does. But uh, so it, it constantly goes on. We ne- you know you're never. Uh, you're never just sitting there waiting for something to happen. You you already prepared. You 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 don't know exactly who's getting to you, but you're prepared to get them, whoever that might be. And so it's information is king, and we're continuing to gather all the way up to when we pull the magnet off the board. Let's talk about some of those magnets you pulled down. We have to start with Riley Green. We just talked to him and. Tell you what, talk about a kid who knows this organization as much as anybody who I guess hasn't been a part of it until just now. I know you have the area scouts and cross checkers, but considering the history that the Tigers and Riley Green have, I'm sure you've seen him for quite a while now as well. Yeah, we've scouted him, you know, a lot. And uh, we've seen him for years. And some of the guys, shoot, our, our East Coast guy saw him his first time he noticed him was his freshman year, I believe. I didn't been before that, but anyway, we've known him Riley for a long time and he's, you know, involved into a really good player. Always been a great kid. Um, worked tremendously hard to get where he is today. And, um, just, just, it's, I mean, that one kind of worked out. We were really our East coast cross checker, James or his, one of his daughters goes to, um, goes to the same school. So, you know, we've, we kind of got a, I don't know if you want to call it an inside scoop on it, but we, we've known Riley for a long time and we know what he's all about. So it kind of, uh, the talent and what we know kind of worked, worked our favor there. What is it about the bat that you guys like so much? Because, you know, when you're talking about a high school kid, you've got to go into rookie ball and eventually short season, whether it be Connecticut, West Michigan, and you have to play against guys who are two and three years older. And you mentioned you saw him as a freshman. So clearly when you guys saw him, he was in that same situation that he is now. Right. And, and with, uh, with Riley, he's got a lot of different things going for him. First of all, he's an advanced, he's an advanced hitter, advanced player, high school player, but he's also with all his, um, experience and and what he's gone through already on the on the highest stages he can play at at this point um he's gone through all those he's gone through them in the summer with the with the showcase games the big time games he's you know team usa been to panama he's done a lot of things and he's and he's you know you can only judge him off you know his peers and and what the experiences that you know he can get at that point so he's handled all that mentally Super strong, very competitive, very driven, and physically and tools wise, it matches all that. So, and I and I've said this many times about, I'll say it about Riley. Right, I'll say about any player we get. This is the start. You have to it, to be the guy you want to be in the big leagues. 
you have to continue to get better. You have to continue to evolve. You have to, you, you, the, the end of the game is that you got drafted. You need to, you know, keep that same mental outlook and, and make up the, that drives you now. And you gotta, you gotta keep it. And, and that's what's got to get you to the big leagues. We're talking to Scott Place, the Detroit Tigers director of scouting. Now you mentioned those USA games, the showcase games. How much stock do you guys put into those? Because not every prospect can play into those, whether they're from an area of the country or maybe it's bad weather and they can't get outside very much, or maybe they're not playing in those games. But how much stock do you guys put into those showcases? Anytime that you can see top players against top players, that's pretty good luck. And and they swing a wooden bat. So for a hitter. Um, so those are extremely important. I mean, shoot, just the, the Under Armour game in Chicago alone, I mean, he faced Malone, he faced a bunch of those guys. They're throwing 98 miles an hour with plus sliders. I mean, so, you know, if you can handle your own on those guys, I mean, you know, you're, you're already so advanced. I mean, that's, you know, I'm not saying those guys are big league ready that are pitching against them, but their stuff is. <laughs> uh, so he's already faced that kind of stuff. So that's when you see him against the best competition. And, um, and you know, they're, they're out there on a big league field and they're, and they're in front of a bunch of fans and, and they know everybody's watching. And, and that says a lot about these, these kids and especially Riley and go out there and get it done. You know, I would love to get into all the other 39 draft picks. We just don't have that kind of time, but I do want to get into a couple of the guys you took after Riley Green, and I want to start with Nick Quintana. Now, please tell us that Nick will be able to keep his hair the way it is. Can we confirm that? <laughs> I don't know if we have any. Uh, I'm not so sure how, how long we can have it, but uh, he's got his own style to him for sure. All right, so tell us a little bit about his game, what you guys like. We noticed that that's another power bat, but also a guy who comes in with a pretty high reputation defensively. Yeah, really good, really good third baseman. Good hands, arm strength, moves well. Um, and I mean, when you guys get a chance to see him more, you'll you'll pick up on that right away. And um, can really swing the bat. Uh, surprising power. I mean, he's really he's got plus power um, and and plus bat speed. So you know, we expect a lot out of him. And uh, you know, it's a good situation there where. You know, it's always nice when you you find that hitter you really like, and you know you're not searching for a position to give him, um, and hoping it works out. This guy can really play third base, and and uh, we're we're really looking forward to seeing Nick. Your very next pick was also a third baseman, Andre Lipsius from Tennessee. This is not the first time you guys have dipped into the volunteer pool because it's been a lot of former Tennessee players that have come into the Tigers system. What did you guys love about Andre Lipsius? Yeah, first of all, great program. I mean, those guys come out of there they know what they're doing uh, but man he's got a field to hit he's got power he can play defense he can play multiple infield positions I mean the makeup just there's a lot to, like a lot of these guys just a lot to like about him I mean he's going to be able to do a lot of things for us and we feel that uh, his ability to hit in the in the in the raw power he has he's going to get to the power too and so we're we're, we're excited about him also what do you envision as the career for a guy like Ryan Creedler? I, I noticed Jason Beck of the Tigers website throughout the Don Kelly comparison. That is going to endear you to Tigers fans, but what do you see for Ryan Creedler? Yeah, I can see why he said that because he's 6'4", 205, so, and, and, and uh, Kelly played all the positions and all that kind of stuff, but, and Creedler has kind of done that a little bit already. 
But this kid can really play. He can play all the infield positions. Um, he's he's going to stay at short, though, for us. He's he's big. He's strong. He's got some power. We like the way he swung the bat. I mean, we're we're not expecting him to be a to be a Don Kelly type guy, you know. Now, but we think he's going to we think he's going to be able to play the infield. He's going to swing the bat and show us some power. You know, in your fifth round pick, Brian Packard, that felt like a pick that we could have seen go much earlier in the draft. But you guys got him in round five at pick 142. Just a guy who can simply swing it. What else do you see with Brian Packard? Power bat the corner. I couldn't have said it better. Um, he's going to play left field for us. He's got this, – this guy's a little different than the other guys. This guy's 6'3 or 6'4. Pretty skinny kid, but he can – you know, he's already – he's got power. So, and he's going to play a corner, like I said, but he'll, he'll get in some balls and shock you how far he hits them. Um, but I think there's a, there's a lot of upside in his body. And when he matures and, and, you know, puts 15, 20, 25 pounds of muscle on. And so I, I'm really excited to see how he progresses in that fashion. You know, a lot of college guys from this edition of the draft, this 2019 draft, and I guess the question is one of the things that we wonder about when it comes to age versus minor league level. I mean, these are advanced college guys. So, you know, based on where they are in terms of their long college careers and their ages, is it safe to say that these guys are probably able to start a little bit farther down the line than maybe a guy like a Riley Green? Yeah, I don't want to, you know, push. They were going to push these guys or do anything like that. They're going to go out and, and, and have to do what they need to do. But um I think I think you're on the right lines of thinking there as far as they're a little more advanced and, and, and ready to go. Um, and the age-appropriate stuff, all that, that's, you know, we all understand that. But uh, but these guys are still, uh, they're not over the hill yet. They got, they've got time to develop a little bit. Well, I've seen some high marks on this draft, those first 10 rounds especially. A lot of interesting names. Eight position players of the first 10. You guys grabbed a couple of arms in there as well that are pretty interesting. Wish we could get to all these guys, but again, Scott, it's been a busy time for you. I just want to give you some time to breathe because I know how busy this past week has been for you. Congratulations. I know it's been a hectic week. Well, I appreciate it. It's been good to be with you. That's Scott Place right here on the Road to Detroit podcast. Tigers general manager Al Avila sat down with Fox Sports Detroit, talked a little bit about the draft, some thoughts now that the dust has settled. Al Avila acknowledged that in a draft stacked with position players, they wanted to strike while the iron was hot. You know, like we had mentioned before even coming into this draft, we knew that it was going to be hitting heavy. So that's really kind of the reason I took this course. Um, We felt all along that picking five, there was going to be a good hitter for us uh, at five. And then after that, after the draft, there was going to be some more position players available, more so this year than, than years past. You get the idea that they've wanted a young bat like this for some time. With a pick so important to get right, Avila mentions that the Tigers have known Riley Green for years. Well, i got to say it's probably the most information and the closest we've been to a player for, for years. Knowing a, a player on and off the field, this is probably the closest we've ever been to a player in a long, long time. The second round pick, Nick Quintana, is kind of similar, and it was one of their first round draft possibilities that led them to their second round pick. Well, you know, with Quintana, uh, we were actually pretty lucky because when we went out to the West Coast, uh, and it was actually in, uh, in Arizona, when we went out to see Vaughn, uh, Quintana was, was playing third base. 
and we got to see him very well. But he's also another player that we have known and we have seen him play since he was in high school. So we have a lot of uh, track record and history with him also. Quintana certainly could be a fast mover within the system. He was playing tougher competition in the Pac-12 than he might play in any of the rookie leagues. This is what the Tigers GM thinks they're getting in Quintana. He's a guy that, you know, if you see him physically, he's not a real tall guy, but he's a very strong guy, quick twitch kind of muscles. He used to be a shortstop. He could probably go back there and play shortstop and even second base, but he's, he's really outstanding at third base defensively. He's got a lot of power in his bat. He's got a quick bat. He's very athletic, so we're pretty excited about him. We think we have a, a well-rounded player there. Our thanks to Fox Sports Detroit. That was Tigers general manager, Al Avila. Now time for the road ahead. As always, it's a preview of what we need to keep track of in the coming week. For West Michigan, it's Bowling Green, the hot rods over the course of the weekend. And that means Wander Franco. He's one of the best prospects in all of baseball. The best position player prospect still playing in the minor leagues. Wander Franco, the number four overall in Major League Baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. He's been awesome in his last 10 games, batting 462 with two homers and nine runs batted in, eight multi-hit games. Wander Franco is must-see minor league TV. So Bowling Green against West Michigan as they start a four-game series on Friday. In Lakeland, Tarek Skubal gets the start in the finale of a four-game series at Palm Beach. They'll return home for a three-game stretch against St. Lucie. Tarek Skubal's been great this year. Skubal a 3-4-2 ERA with 64 strikeouts and a walks-plus hits per inning, just barely over one. Against that St. Lucie team, over to Erie. We always want to know, when's Casey Mize starting? When's Matt Manning taking the mound? Casey Mize gets the start, at least scheduled for game one on Friday. Then Matt Manning is scheduled. He'll take the bump in game two. That's scheduled for Saturday. Down the freeway over to Toledo. The Toledo Mudhens take on the Indianapolis Indians for a five-game series starting this weekend. Top Pittsburgh Pirate pitching prospect Mitch Keller. That's not easy to say. We'll get the start on June 7th against Toledo. He's 5-1 and one this year. A 3.40 ERA, 61 punchouts in his last 10 games. Did get the call up to Pittsburgh, but saw his ERA go up to 13.5 before he went back down. Just a quick cup of coffee. He'll certainly be back in short order. That's the road ahead. That also wraps up episode three of the Road to Detroit podcast. Our thanks to everybody who makes this podcast go. Don't forget, you can follow the Road to Detroit on Twitter at Road to Detroit. You can follow me as well at that Dan Hasty. Lots to look forward to over the next couple of weeks. We have the trade deadline. We have International Signing Day. We'll have more minor league all-star nominations. Lots to look forward to as we move into the summer months of the Road to Detroit podcast. Again, if you like what you hear, click the subscribe button. We'll go straight to the Detroit Tigers themselves. Click subscribe and you can have access to every single Road to Detroit podcast. On the next edition of the Road to Detroit podcast, I think we'll get a little more team-centric, get a chance to dig in to the individual levels of the Tigers minor league system. So that'll be something to look forward to coming up next week. For our producer, Nate Wangler, my name's Dan Hasty. This has been the Road to Detroit podcast, episode three. We out.